Business Matters in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. For a career in financial governance, consider the Level 9 MA in Governance and IT in Financial Services starting in January. Contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie today. I'm Kieran Donald. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is the owner of Anish Communications, Trish Hegarty. Trish worked as a journalist with the Irish Times, RTE and Radio Foil before setting up her PR company in 2004. Anish Communications has recently launched the Anish Expertise PR Toolkit for SMEs with limited time and budgets. Trish, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thanks a million. It's a pleasure. Trish, you will be celebrating 20 years in business next year. A major milestone for yourself and your business. It's it's hard to believe, I have to say. It's really, really hard to believe. But I suppose for the first at least 10 years, I took it very steady. I took it very easy. I was able to run the business around my family life, my family responsibilities, which really, really suited me because I come straight from journalism and uh, working shifts in a newsroom, I can tell you, it can be very, very demanding <laughs> when you have a family. Can we go back a wee bit uh, in relation to the journalism world and why you decided, maybe initially, to go down that road? Um well, I suppose I've had a couple of careers, really. After I got very involved in student union when I was in Queens and ended up being an officer in the Union of Students of Ireland for three years. That was, I suppose that was my, my first very, very short career. And I had the privilege of being the first woman president of the Union of Students in Ireland. And well, how big a deal was that at the time? Yeah, it was, it was sort of a big deal, all right. <laughs> I mean, I was very nervous about doing it, but I felt it was time that there was a woman leader. Part of me was shocked that there hadn't been, and I had a lot of support around me. And, and do you know, in the six years after I was president, there were four woman presidents. So it just goes to show so women just need to see that a woman can do it, you and wear, they'll go for it. You were a bit of a trailblazer. <laughs> I suppose. But, you know, the other thing about it was um, because I was the public face of the union, I learned an awful lot about the media and how important the media was in terms of getting your message across, trying to let people understand that there should be more equal access to education, you know, that it should be more accessible. So that's when I decided to become a journalist. So I did a, a, a postgrad course in DCU, um, started freelancing with the RT in, with RT in the Irish Times and... And then moved from there up to BBC Radio Foil in Derry because I wanted to fulfil a lifelong ambition to live in Donegal again. <laughs> and where were your roots? Here in Shrove, really. Um, we lived in Stranorland when I was born. My dad was in the bank, but we left when I was two. So I hardly knew the place. Um, but every single year growing up, we always spent our summers here in Shrove. And my heart was always here. So always. Did it feel like coming home when you decided to make the move? Yeah. Yeah, it really, it's, it sounds overly romantic to say it was like a dream come true because it's, it's not easy adjusting, you know, uh, a new career in broadcasting compared to print media, you, you know, uh, setting up, uh, buying a new house again and all of that starting over. Yeah, there's lots and lots of challenges, but I, I love it here. I really, really, you know, it really is from my heart and soul. We were talking, Our, sorry Trish, we were talking off air about the shift work and how things have changed in the media, but what was a typical day like back then when you were working with, say, RT and the Irish Times before you made the move to Radio Foil? 
Um, well, I probably spent most of the time with the Irish Times um, and when I look at the pace of work now, it was probably a little bit easier than your average broadcasting newsroom. You know, you could come in in the morning and you, you could catch up with the news and then the news desk would throw you a couple of stories to do. You might be sent out on a marking. You might work over late, but it, it was certainly a manageable day. Slightly you know, slower than It, it was certainly slower, yeah. whereas then you move into, when I moved then to... Um, to BBC Radio Foil. It's a small newsroom. It's one of the BBC's smaller stations, but you were always flat out on deadlines. And I suppose because there was so much happening in Derry, you know, um, you know, John Hume was in Derry, Martin McGuinness was in Derry. There was so much going on. Um, so you weren't just serving the, the Radio Foil newsroom. You were serving Belfast and London and Scotland and places like that. So it was, yeah, it was, it was very, very busy. And looking back at that time, Trish, it was very much an historic time. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it, it really, really was. I mean, when I started there first, there were still, you know, security barriers in, in Derry and Belfast. Um, there were still troops on the streets. Um, there was a lot of fear, a lot of mistrust. But in Derry in particular, so much work was done across the community. Genuine grassroots work to build bridges and it really paid dividends. It really did pay dividends, you know. It's, it's, uh, it was incredible to watch the changes taking place. And then to watch the city, which had been so sort of shut down and closed down, just open up and blossom, and the way that it's developed right along the river, and the border isn't isn't such a huge barrier that it used to be. I'm not saying it isn't a barrier for business. It is, yes, it is. But um, the relationship between Inishowan and Derry and Donegal and Derry has always been so strong. So, yeah, I think it has eased things right across this whole region. And when did you decide to set up your own business? Well, I, I had thought about it for a while, but after I had my second child, I found it uh, I found it really was a struggle. I found my health was suffering because we did different shifts. You might do a day shift one week, then you might do an early shift, you know, and you'd be up at half four or five the next week, and then you do a late shift the week after that, and that's really, really hard on the body, and it's really hard on your kids too because they don't know when, you know, they don't know when you're coming or going, and it just got to the point where I found it was just too difficult. Um, yeah, just too difficult, um, and my health suffered. So... Um, so I decided to go for it. <laughs> I decided to go for it. So what were the first steps that you took? Um, God, it's actually hard to remember, really. I, I suppose it was just letting people know what I was doing and what I was out there. And believe it or not, I did a lot of radio training in the early, in the early years. Um, they, with ICR FM, as it was, they, they ran a lot of... They, they were trying to encourage more people to get involved. So I ran training programs there for about two years, which was great. And then early clients were... B&B Ireland, you know, the national B&B body who are based in Donegal and also Foilport in Derry. They would have been very early clients of mine. So the work was there. It was busy. And I suppose I had a good track record in quality media. I'd, you know, I had a good track record with both, you know, local and regional and with national media. I'd done print and broadcasting. Um, so I could I could cover it all, really. So what was the next step in trying to maybe scale things up, Trish? Or was it very much a slow burner and just making sure that you're making the right connections with the right people? Well, the work, to be honest, the work just 
always seemed to come. You know, there were things that I I heard about and I tendered for and and won jobs by tender. But, um, you know, most of the work came by referral um, and quite a lot of repeat business customers that I had for years. So I never reached a point where I thought, oh, God, the business isn't going to survive. There were probably far more times where it was too busy and I would decide, well, look, I'm not going to take anything on now until next year or until next month. But it, it, it ticked along nicely. And I think probably what I was most concerned about was providing a quality service, you know, because, you know, whether you're a journalist or a business person, your reputation is, is the most important thing you have and your integrity is the most important thing you have. So, you know, when you're a journalist... You do your best to try and honour somebody's story and tell it accurately and, and, you know, portray them truthfully. And when you're in PR, you're trying to do the same for your client because they may be so busy running their business that maybe things that are right in front of their noses that they don't see. And, and when they tell you their story, you go, oh, right, right. So you're the first person to ever do this or you're the only one in, in you know, in Donegal or you're the only one in Ireland doing this. And you, you, you tease out these things and you help to communicate them and that boosts their business then, which is which gives you a lot of satisfaction. Would you be a stickler for detail? Uh, in project management, yeah. I have to say, I think that's probably one of my strengths because you can't afford to miss things. Oh, whoops, I forgot to send that news release or oh, whoops, I forgot to post that on social media. It's it's not going to cut it. So, yeah, I would, uh, uh, you know, and that's, yeah, I would plan very carefully and use a lot of planning tools. Did you know right away that you made the right move to sort of get away from the, the mainstream uh, working environment and set up on your own? Yeah, I think I did because I get a lot of the satisfaction that I got from journalism, which was like meeting people and hearing their stories and, you know, being inspired by them and and hopefully helping them to inspire other people. It's the same in PR. So a lot of that is the same. And I really enjoy that and the satisfaction of a job well done. And and then the other thing about PR is, especially in the last 10 years, it's much, much easier to measure the you know the results of your work for a client or a project you can see what audience they've reached on Facebook or Twitter you can see what media audiences they've reached uh, you can see how many hits there are on their website there's all sorts of ways you can actually measure so you can show your results and that's really important for me you know and I would highlight on my website I would highlight my case studies and my results so that it's easy to waffle and say, oh, well, you know, I'm great. I do a great job. I really, really do. But if it was me and I was wanting to pay a professional money, I'd want to see their results. I'd want to know, you know, so that's what I try to do. Trish, we talked about change and I suppose changes are ongoing and have been very rapid uh, over the last number of years in the communication age. You have uh, decided to bring out a new toolkit for SMEs. Yeah. It's a new PR toolkit. Uh, it's called Niche Expertise, trademark. Um, and to be honest, it's the, probably the product of a long number of years of work. But I'll explain to you, I think, really where, where most of it came from. When COVID hit, like everybody else who ran their own business, I said, well, look, you know, I cut back my hours. You know, a lot of businesses won't be spending money on PR. I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, I'll just take my time. And within a few weeks... I was flat out. Everybody else was learning to make sourdough, you know, and, and this, that and the other. And um, I was the other way around. I'm on the mentor panel for the local enterprise office. And in the space of a year, I mentored over 30 Donegal businesses. And these were people who really, really needed help um, 
moving online with their websites, with their social media, because they had to communicate in a new way because people weren't coming into the shop. They weren't coming across. They weren't coming in the door. So they had to up their game um, in terms of their website presence, the social media presence, all of their online presence. And some of the clients maybe only got allocated six hours. So in six hours, I was taking a business that had a desperate need and trying to show them as much as I could. Try to, first of all, you know, how do they plan to do this? Where do they get the content for the website? Where do they get the content for the social media? What do they say? How do they say it? How do they plan it? All of that. So I had lots of tools and templates that I'd used and developed myself over the years. So I really, they, they really came in useful. And by the end of that year, I developed a few extra ones. I tweaked them all. And I can't say it wasn't production line. <laughs> it wasn't a production line, but it was definitely trying to streamline everything so that not so that I could cut corners, but so that I could give a quality service to people who only had six hours so it really you know it really made me think and by the end of that by the end of that so i was it wasn't just a question of giving them planning tools and strategies it was a question of it was all one-to-one mentoring as well so it was combining the two and the end of that year i realized i had a whole suite of tools and they were you know and, and i and i so i started planning to make them into online interactive tools and sell them through the website the first phase was funded by the local enterprise office um, and it was great and we trialed that but i i think i needed i realized i needed a more um I needed one that was more closely integrated into the website um, i needed to step it up a bit and i got leader funding for the second phase of development and I'm really, really happy with them. I mean, did market research the whole lot and, you know, and the results were positive in terms of, well, a number of things. One, it's an online service. Um, and even though PR has changed an awful lot over the years, like the media, it hasn't really changed the way that it's delivered the service. So this, this is a sort of a revolution in how the service is delivered, if you like. But, it's got a lot of other advantages too, because basically you can buy these, this toolkit in individual models or in bundles of two or three or five, but they're all transparently priced. <laughs> and that's a really big bonus for some small businesses, um, who might be afraid to call up a PR person in case the next thing they know that they've got this huge bill. People are a little bit afraid, I think, sometimes about approaching professionals because they're not sure about the fees involved. So this is very, very transparently priced. It's very time efficient. Um, because that's the other thing is is a small business might have a limited budget, but th- they're probably also very short on time. So, as, as cost and time are the are the two things that you're hopefully going to save the business owner. Exactly, that's exactly it. Save them time, save them money. Trish, how important has social media become in promoting and publicising businesses and what businesses have to offer? Well, do you know? Kieran, I would actually take a step back and, and, and look at it as part of the whole digital revolution. I mean, from the time that I came into journalism, from typewriters to computerization to watching the Irish Times become computerized, the BBC, you know, being there when there was the digital transformation there, I'm not unused to change. I'm not unused to innovation. I'm I'm not a tech geek, but I'm certainly not afraid of innovation. I'm not afraid to try anything. But when the digital revolution first came along, it wasn't so much social media that made me think 
it was digital advertising because I'm not an advertising agency. I'm a PR agency. And all of a sudden, everybody was talking about digital advertising. And I didn't want to go down that route. And I thought, well, how do we go down the digital route without going down advertising? And, and actually, social media was the key, really, to that because you'd access to these digital platforms and um, online audiences. Um, and the other thing I realized that, and, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, as a broadcaster, you're actually quite good at social media because you're used to writing headlines. <laughs> when you write for print media, you're used to having loads of time and space. Um, when you write for broadcasters, you're used to little short headlines and little snippets. So you actually have a lot of the skills that are really, really useful for social media. You're good at spotting a news hook. Um, you know, you're good at communicating in short sentences. You're good at communicating in non-jargon language. You're good at plain English. You know, you're good at short and snappy. So... Um, it took me a while and then I realized, oh yeah, actually this is great. Yeah, I can do this. And then over the years, then, so social media became part of the PR and then websites did too, really. I mean, I'm not a web developer, but I work very closely with web developers and every single client I work with will always look at their website. Always. Is there a standout uh, bit of advice that you could offer somebody over the year? Do you mean in business or their yeah. website in 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 general about their business? Um, and there's just the PR end. If there's one 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 wheel in, you could say this is what you need to do, or what will improve your business or make it better. Plan strategically. That is the number one thing. It's, so, it's sometimes a client will come to me and say, you know, can you do me a news release on this? A one-off news release in a vacuum that's not part of an overall strategy is. Almost useless. Would I be correct in saying that the lack of planning is probably one of the most common uh, areas where businesses need to sort of maybe do a bit of work on? Absolutely. Yeah. Because the thing about it is, is you, you might be able to spend quite a short amount of time on planning, but that'll pay dividends because everything you do then is done strategically. Everything you do. So when you look at a strategy, you can, you can, you can look at your resources, that both your money and your time and say, well, I can do this much this month, or I can do this much this year, and then I can do this this year. So I can increase my audience by this much this year, and then next year I want to do that. Whereas some people are trying to do everything at once and, and failing and then feeling bad. Whereas you just have to take it at your own pace. You have to take it at your own pace. You have to match it to your own resources. If you've got a very small team, there's only so much that you can do unless you're able to outsource. So all of those things you have to take into account. And I think sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody outside your business about them. How long did it take you to finalise uh, the package you have? And what has the reaction been so far? Um, well, actually, it started off just as three tools and ended up as five. So you've got one on PR strategy, one on a PR action plan, which will give you a step-by-step, -step, you know, set of deliverable tasks. Then we've got an online content template, which will, it's basically a map for your content, for your website, and your social media and other on other digital content. We've got a social media campaign plan. And then we've also got um, a tool for if you want to redevelop your website, a guide to, you know, um, you know, what you want to do for that. So all of those um, will work together. So if you've, if, so all of those actually have a really, really important role. And you have increased the team here? Yeah. Um, I'll just go back a little bit. And you were, you were, you'd really been asking me about the time it took to develop it all. I did have a couple of major hitches along the way to do with personal life. My eldest sister was diagnosed with a terminal illness. Um, she lived in Wexford and we all had to take turns 
you know, going down to stay with her. So we were able to keep her at home. And then a month before she died, my husband ended up with a quadruple heart bypass. So it was one of those years that, yeah, one of those awful years that so many of us go through where everything awful happens at once. Um, so everything had to be put on the back burner um, um, and just just had to keep going, just had to keep going. But, you know, priority had to be my family. So um kept the business going to put things a little bit on hold and then when I was able to have more time move forward with the develop again and all of those around me both the developers my web developer the you know SEO team everybody was incredibly supportive and likewise leader and LEO they were just fantastic everybody was really really supportive so uh, you know life gets in the way (laughs) so but um, yes was able to move on uh, and complete them but in the meantime the general PR business has got busier as well so if I was to have any chance to spend time on on selling and delivering the toolkit I had to increase my team and there we will take a break Business Matters is in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal if you're looking for a career in financial governance consider the Level 9 MA in Governance and IT in Financial Services starting in January Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie today. You're welcome back. Before the break, Trish was talking about her decision to expand the team at Anish Communications. So last year I took on Beth Reynolds, who's a graduate of ATU, um, media graduate. So she's our creative lead and social media manager and accounts executive. And then um, just a few months ago, I took on Connell Kennedy from Ardra, who's got... Uh, He's got decades of experience in um, in PR, both here um, in in Ireland, uh, plus also in Canada and New Zealand. And further down the road, I do want to export the toolkit because it really does not look like anybody else has ever done this. So there is big, you know, exporter franchise potential. And Connell was just the right guy at the right time. And he's great. Uh, both great. So to have two extra mains... Uh, working on the same project or working on the same business. How beneficial has that been for yourself? Oh, it's been a lifesaver. It's been great because it's been such a hard slog the last few years between life kicking me in the teeth and, and trying to trying to grow the business and trying to develop something new. It's It's been, yeah, <laughs> it's been challenging. There have been times I've said to myself, what are you doing? But... Um, but um, no, it's fantastic to have such a good team. It it really is. It's 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 just wonderful. Yeah. What's the best lesson that you've learned since setting up back in two thousand and four, Trish? Um, I suppose n- not to be afraid. I mean, for a lot of years, I I didn't particularly want to grow. I wasn't interested in growing. Uh, and then when I did want to grow, um, you're putting a lot more on the line. It's easy to just keep your business ticking over when the work keeps coming in. And, and yes, it can be hard work, but you're not putting yourself under the same pressure as when you decide to grow. Um, so... Um, to use all the help that's out there. And I've had fantastic support um, and, and never to be afraid to learn something new, really. Never be afraid to learn something new. You mentioned earlier in the interview the importance of results and statistics. 
Could you maybe share some of the stats and some of the results from your own uh, bits of work and things you've been involved in, Trish, up until now? Um, well, I suppose in Donegal, I'm, I'm still probably best known for Love Donegal Day. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a massive thing, though, across the world, hasn't it? <laughs> it was incredible. Two simple words. I have to be honest, I loved the plan for the campaign. I loved collaborating with anybody, everybody on it, but I was blown away. I've never been more blown away just watching it just take off. I mean, trending from before even the morning hit, trending what? number one all day, trending internationally, trending in the UK. Um, the the whole uh, Donegal Connect campaign actually had a global audience reach of over 70 million. But within that, the Donegal, uh, the Love Donegal Day had a reach of over 33 and a half. It was a massive. So if you can imagine, we were sort of slowly building the audience for Donegal Connect. And then after Love Donegal, it just shot through the roof. And it was phenomenal. It was it just took off. It was it was amazing. Why was that? Well, a couple of reasons that are very, very easy to identify. Everybody pulled together. Amory Conlon and Donegal County Council, um, Grace Corbell and Joanne Martin in, in Leo. We were working with Udrus, um, Westwick, Donegal Tourism. Everybody pulled together. And then we got support from the GAA. We got support from Tourism Ireland. We, 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 uh, we set up an online toolkit so everybody could, instead of just having to try and send around a flyer, we, it, it was just, it was really well organized, really well planned. All of that helped, but I don't think it was just that. I think people really, really loved Donegal. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's it. Yes, we made it easier. Yes, it was really well organised, but um, nobody could have predicted um, how it just took off. I don't think anybody could have. So what are the main learnings to take from that campaign and what can you use and uh, other campaigns maybe down the road? I think keeping it simple, keeping it authentic, keeping it real, giving people an opportunity to engage in a simple way. People, mostly people did, all they did was share a photograph or share a video and say what they loved about Donegal or what they loved about a particular place in Donegal or what they loved about a cafe or a, a lighthouse or a beach. Um, and then people who'd visited, it, it wasn't, I mean, that Donegal Connect project was largely about targeting diaspora, but this wasn't just, this was about people with any connection to Donegal who, who may have only visited once, who may have had a relation here, but it gave them lasting memories. It left a lasting impression. And as somebody who loves Donegal as much as I do, it was, it was actually quite emotional at times. You know, I, I really, I mean, I was, I would be, I spent the whole day nearly on, on Twitter <laughs> and looking across all the other platforms, but Twitter, because it moves so fast, I mean, they were just, they were just flooding in. You couldn't. You couldn't keep up. Yeah, you actually could not keep up. And it gave Donegal businesses of different shapes and sizes a massive boost at a really uh, good time. Yeah, I, I think I felt it was a massive boost, and I think it's fantastic that the council have maintained it. And actually, um, this year, post COVID, they actually increased the figures. They they the reach was. Um, I think it was over 80 million this year, which is fabulous. Trisha, you mentioned the post-COVID era. Could we go back maybe uh, a short time before that and talk about uh, the COVID era era itself uh, and lockdowns? How did all that affect the business? Well, 
as I said, when it first happened, I thought, right, that's grand. You can go back to part time work. You can put your feet up a little bit more. You can take it easy. And that's not how it worked out because, um, I suppose because because I had a skill set that people needed to help their businesses adapt to an online world. And that's what happened. So uh, I was really busy with mentoring uh, Donegal businesses, but also all my clients needed me. And yes, I did even pick up new clients at that time because people needed somebody with the skills to help them improve their website, improve their social media, improve their online presence, because that's what they needed to do because everything was online. And and it was it was incredible, but it was also it was such a difficult time. It was such a heartbreaking time for so many sectors. I mean, you know, you really felt for the tourism and hospitality sector in particular because they were just so sunk, and there were, but but some of them adapted incredibly well. I mean, I worked with several businesses who adapted by just doing, you know, um, they had never done takeaway services, but did a takeaway service. They did high quality takeaway services who adapted to online payments, who adapted to online orders. I mean, the amount of innovation that went on was incredible. And it was, it was, it was great to be able to support people to to do that to, from having a business which was almost going into the ground to just actually being able to pivot their business. And I'm sure that gave you a great sense of satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because to be honest, I was I was going to set up a free crisis service. <laughs> I had it up on the website already before I got asked to do all the mentoring, and uh, because yeah, you almost felt. <laughs> There was almost a sense of guilt because I was so busy and other people were really struggling so hard. But yes, the fact that I could help and the satisfaction I got from that made a difference. Yeah. Have you adopted a a somewhat different mindset uh, to the way you run your own business since COVID or has has anything changed at all in that regard? Um, Not really. The only thing I would say is it's it's a lot easier. It's actually a lot easier. I mean... um, Yes, there would have been clients in in Dublin or Wix or Wicklow or beyond, you know, or London that I might never have met face to face. But it was it was probably rarer before COVID, whereas now it's perfectly acceptable to have new clients that you've never met face to face. It's perfectly acceptable to hold all your meetings via Zoom. It's perfectly acceptable to do everything online, and I think that that really gives an advantage to regions like Donegal. Like, for example, you can see here, I'm up the side of a hill (laughs) at the tip, the northeast tip of of Inishon, and I've got fibre to the home broadband. So, I mean, before COVID, um, uh, a lot of people I knew moved their businesses to Letterkenny because their broadband wasn't good enough. I stuck it out. (laughs) I stuck it out, um, uh, even though it it, it did slow things down at time. But it... So I've got broadband here, fibre to the home. Um, I've got my team. We all work remotely, um, and it's it's fantastic. Connell is based in Dublin, so we now have a Dublin presence. Beth is only up the road, but we work really, really effectively. We meet every morning. We go through, you know, we, we go through every single project together, line by line. Um, so the management is really, really good. But it's I I have noticed yes a, an increase in in client inquiries from the cities because they're they know they can get a good quality service that's not at London or Dublin prices. Tell me, Trish, what words of advice would you pass on to your twenty one year old self? 
Um, I think it would be to be more confident, to be more confident um, in myself, to be more confident in my beliefs, my views, um, because I think women in business in particular, we can seriously suffer from imposter syndrome. You really, really do have to fight it. Um, and it's great to be part of programs like the Empower program, which I took part in a few years ago. And I'm now taking part in the Ambition program being run by Donegal LEO. And it's it's great to that sort of support. So when you hit those wobbles, <laughs> there's somebody there to support you and say yes you're doing great can you talk to me uh, in a wee bit of detail about those programs Trish and what were the main things that you took away from them well, I th- I think that they give you very practical, clear advice about you know researching your market, um, um, about knowing who your your customer is, all of those sort of things. There's very structured support, but there's also one to one mentoring involved, and then also you get support from the group of women who are taking part. So I would say you gain equally from all of them. Because I would still be in touch with the women who took part in the Empower program, and that's nearly two years ago now. And I'm just only about a month into the Ambition program, and it's it's very clear, it's very focused. It's it, it makes you look at at again where your customers are, and also the best way to approach those customers. Because I suppose up till now, I I, I haven't had to go looking for customers; they've always come to me. So I want to grow the business, so I'm in a different place now. Um. So yeah, there. I suppose you're just always learning and it's great to have support from programs like that, particularly for women entrepreneurs. And what are the main challenges facing women entrepreneurs? Uh, well, I, I would say imposter syndrome is one of them. Absolutely. Um, uh, if we, we were doing some... We were doing some uh, surveys last week uh, and, you know, in terms of confidence, ambition and and in a lot of ways, um, men will score stronger on those than women. So we do have to, well, positive encouragement and positive programs really do make a difference. And and the very first day of the Ambition Programme, Maeve Conahan from Enterprise Ireland showed that positive programmes for women entrepreneurs was making a massive difference. It, It had led to a major increase in the number of women led businesses in Ireland so it does work positive encouragement programs positive programs and positive encouragement do work is there a person in business that you admire most well there have been quite a few over the years but I would have to say one of my favorites is Larissa Feeney from Accountant Online I had the pleasure of working with her in the early days um, uh, of the development of Accountant Online, and I think she's she's got a great attitude. She's um, she's always enthusiastic, and she's fresh. She's confident. She's not afraid to take on any challenges. She has grown the business from strength to strength, step by step. Um, yeah, I think she's done an amazing job. Yeah, actually, she gave a she gave a talk to the Ambition Program last week. Um, I think she also gave a talk when I was on the Empower Program. So yeah, she she is she plays a positive role, inspiring other women entrepreneurs yeah which is great and how important is it to have people to uh, look up to and maybe try and emulate I think it's really important like I I mentioned that it's a long time ago since I was the first woman president of USI but as I said in the six years afterwards there were four women presidents and it's it's I think when you only see men in a role you subconsciously don't see yourself as a woman in that role when you see a woman in that role then you can imagine yourself in it and it's as simple as that so I think I think the um 
seeing other women in roles, um, having role models, having positive encouragement makes a massive difference. If there was uh, one bit of help or one extra bit of help that you would uh, look for, what would that be? think off the top of my head but it, it I do like the that, the idea of having access to mentoring one-to-one mentoring yeah I think that's actually one of the most important things and that's in a way why the, why I'm so pleased with the toolkit because it's not just passing a set of tools and templates uh, over to somebody it's 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 a mixture of it's delivered with one-to-one mentoring because you know what it's like you can go online and say oh I'm going to try and get a template for this or I'll download this and you think it looks great and then you open it and you have no idea what to do with it so it's it's no good just having a tool or a template if there isn't somebody to share their expertise with you and show you how to do it and that's really what the toolkit's all about and finally Trish what lies ahead for yourself and your business growth that's that's the plan to growth um, because the our our regular PR services are actually growing at the moment and we have the capacity now to keep growing them. Um, the toolkit service has just launched. The sales appointments are coming in. Um, that's going to take up more time. So I can see that we will have to keep expanding our team and keep growing. And it's a whole new phase of the the company for me. It's it's a big challenge, but it's very exciting. Trish Hegarty, Director of Anish Communications, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. It was a pleasure, Kieran. Thanks a million. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, Trish Hegarty. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the Faculty of Business at ATU Donegal. For a career in financial governance, consider the Level 9 MA in Governance and IT in Financial Services, starting in January. Contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie today.